0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Inside the Musical Mind, a new show on Midtown Radio every Monday night at 7 p.m. The goal of this program is to take a deep dive into the why and the how of music by talking with local KW musicians about their craft. My name is Caleb Koo, and I'm super excited to take this trip with you inside the musical mind. For the inaugural episode, I sat down with a fantastic local singer-songwriter, Rosie Samra, to discuss her paths and perspectives regarding music. Rosie is a phenomenal vocalist and a wonderful person, and we had a great conversation covering a massive range of topics from studying for the MCATs all the way to how to beat stage fright by getting angry. But first, here's one of my all-time favorite tracks by local singer-songwriter Rachel Hickey. This is Home.
1: Hold my breath and I waste no time. Cause no one's heart is as hard as mine. And in the end, I'm a page open. Cause I leave nothing unwritten. Oh.
0: And we're here with Rosie Samra. How are you doing today, Rosie?
2: I'm great. Thanks for asking, Caleb.
0: So, first of all, how would you describe your music?
2: Um, I would describe my music as pretty contemporary pop, but I do have a lot of R&B influence. So I really like the music of Janelle Aiko and Daniel Caesar and Summer Walker. So I try to incorporate those elements, but a lot of it is just fun, girly, bubblegum pop music <laughs> that you can kind of dance to in your bedroom, which is always the music that I've loved. So, yeah.
0: F- fantastic. So w- when did you kind of first start singing? When did this kind of whole musical journey begin for you?
2: I started singing when I was really young. So, you know, every, I think every kid is just like innately built towards starting to sing. Like it's p- almost part of learning how to talk. Like I know I've seen a lot of my baby cousins grow up and they all start to sing really young. Um, even the ones respectfully who are not good at it. So, <laughs> so I've been singing since I was really young. Um, but when I started to kind of get into lessons and, and choir, I joined the f- my first choir when I was eight eight years old. And you know, you do it with all your friends and everybody's having a good time. And then you kind of keep going every year. Um, and I kept going. And then when I was like 10, I kind of realized that maybe we should do some private lessons. And my mom was definitely a really big proponent of that too. She was very supportive, still is super, super supportive and was kind of like, okay, let's try some private lessons. So I started doing those when I was like nine, 10, um, with, a wonderful vocal coach named Giselle Sanderson. She was great. She taught me a lot about breathing techniques and how to sing and and created a really great founding of techniques for me as a singer. Um, And then I started to take it a lot more seriously when I got into high school. So I was part of a group called Jazz in the Schools that was led by Mary Catherine Pisano, who is still a fantastic singer in the community. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. Um, And she taught me a lot more about fundamentals of jazz, which I did not think I would be into at all, but turns out a lot of my favorite music stems from jazz, like hip hop and R&B are all uh, stemming from jazz, obviously. So she had a really important role in me getting my footing into kind of what genres I wanted to perform in. And she also developed a lot of really good performance skills in me. So I had those singing techniques from a younger age, but she helped me reach out to audiences and kind of do a better job connecting with the people that I was singing to. Um, and so when I was about 15, I had my first ever like paid gig and that was (laughs) so exciting. I remember they handed me the check and it was $200 and I was like, I've I'd never seen two hundred dollars like in my life, like in my name. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, my God. And I got this for singing like this is crazy. (laughs) And that's when I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to keep doing this. So um, ever since then, I've just been, you know, trying to do it a little bit more professionally, got into recording as at 18 and. then, yet, the rest has been history.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's always the craziest thing. Whenever you get your first gig and then you see that money and you see your name next to it and you're like, I've never earned this much money for doing anything, let alone playing music.
2: And I loved every second of it. Like even though it was kind of tiring, even though the practices were kind of intense, it it was like oh my god, like this was the best. And there were so many at that gig in particular. um, It was at the KW Registry Theater. It was the Bright Up Brothers Band. Okay. Um, and they had since moved to California, but I think they came back to KW to visit. So it was a bunch of their original songs, and I was performing with some of the biggest jazz singers that I, you know, had ever met in the community and from outside of the community. They had some of them come in from outside of KW. And from them, I just got so much wisdom about the genre, performing venues, what it's like to work with professional songwriters. And they really eased my transition into being more of a professional musician, which was um, something I'm still very grateful for. It was really amazing.
0: I'll say that's one hack of a first gig, man. <laughs> I know
2: <laughs> they were like, we want a student singer. And I, I was so excited when they told me I got the part, I was like, oh my God, like this is making me so, I was kind of nervous, but really excited. And, and it turned out to be obviously the best possible first gig. Was there a, a fierce
0: for competition for that gig?
2: honestly okay i'm about to give you some insider information okay,
0: all
2: right, all right. <laughs> um i think mc maybe picked favorites <laughs> <laughs> so she was like um she was like hey rosie like i have an opportunity i want you to try out for so i tried out for it in front of um his name was andy mcpherson he's actually oh, I know st- andy he's a, yeah he's a teacher yeah, at he's same a Mary, drummer yeah he's awesome yeah love, i've played with him a bunch love of times him. he's yeah. fantastic great guy uh, we did a lot of rehearsals at his house, actually. Like he had like a home studio band kind of thing going on, and he was awesome. I knew his whole family. I think I, kn- I knew his daughter Quinn from high school, so mm-hmm. she was really cool too. Um, but yeah, he she was like, hey, like I want you to kind of try out for this because they were asking for student singers, and I was like, I know somebody, so I tried out for it, and he was like, oh, you got it for sure. This is awesome, and it was just the best feeling ever because MC like jumped up and gave me a hug, and I I don't even know how to describe the feeling of when you looked up for some to someone for so long and they're almost like considering you an equal, like mm-hmm. in that moment she was like, we're going to play the same venue. And I was <laughs> like, you have like 20 plus years of experience and I just turned 15. Like, this is crazy. Do you oh, know what I mean? Absolutely.
0: Well, I feel the same thing because back when I was in uh, in high school, I was playing in the uh, Jazz FM youth big band, right? Yeah. And it was the same deal. I remember like playing all these massive, crazy venues. Like we played Corner Hall Which is the official auditorium for the Royal Conservatory of Music in Toronto Mm -hmm. to like 1,200 people, and I was 15 years old.
2: Subtle flex, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it was the
0: same feeling, right? It's that feeling of like seeing all these people who are so much more experienced than you, and you feel are on such like a complete different level, and then they believe in you, and they're like, "Yeah, come play, whatever." It's like, "Oh my god, this is crazy," right?
2: Totally. And I also have to say, honestly, like seeing her as a she's a grown woman obviously you know she has her own thing she has a cat she has a husband she has a house whatever and seeing like she could pay the bills being a musician Mm -hmm. that had never crossed my mind in my entire life unless you were like Beyonce level famous do you know what I mean like I thought the only way you could pay your bills as a singer is if you were also in being invited to the Met Gala do Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Yeah. so to see someone who was local in the community such an inspiration to me and also was able to like live comfortably and as someone who had never seen that before it was genuinely life changing i was like you you bought this house with your money like this is crazy like yeah it was really really cool at 15 to see all of that
0: absolutely i feel the same way it's yeah. it's something that I, I at least you know being in this working musician kind of realm it's so far outside the general normal Expectations of society—that so many people you talk to are like that's a real job. It's like (laughs) there's people actually doing that, and you're like, yeah, "Yeah, there's people all over town who are doing that, making a living playing music, and it's it's really incredible.
2: I think there are some people who just genuinely don't believe it because they never considered it an option for themselves, and so they're like almost upset about it. Like I remember (laughs) I was at a family friends gathering. And he was like, Oh, so I heard you sing professionally now, whatever. And I was like, Oh, I do sing professionally now. And he goes, Yeah, they pay you to do that. I said, Yeah, they, they pay me to do that. And he goes, Sing something for us. So I sang something. Yeah. And, you know, it. thank God I didn't choke and <laughs> it went well. And he goes, You know what? Maybe if your schooling doesn't work out, you can go sing at a cabaret. I was like, What is your problem, man? Like, <laughs> first of all, I loved burlesque. So that would be an honor. Yeah. Like, Christina Aguilera and Cher all the way. But also, I think genuinely, just some people just never considered it Mm -hmm. like it's just so far left field like your parents tell you growing up what do they tell you what can you be you can be doctor engineer or lawyer Yep. and lawyers already on the cusp like that that (laughs) was already like third option alternate if you want to be a rebel like musician has never been a serious option for so many people so to to be able to see that at such a young age and Mm -hmm. so early in my career genuinely life it was
0: it's funny I i was filling out a form um just a university like post-grad form or something and i was looking through and they had like 1200 jobs listed. they have like yeah. every single engineering you know little yeah. detail every single science thing and whatever they didn't have a single freelance musician option which is crazy because i mean
2: it's like it's a big a, industry you can make a living you can make a living yeah. doing it
0: and it's not even like it's a tiny little thing like it's a pretty you know sizable industry but yeah. it just never crossed any of their minds I no suppose. it
2: doesn't and i'm being so genuine like people don't realize the impact of local artistry as well like like I said you don't have to be invited to the Met Gala in order to make a living off of music
0: absolutely okay let's backpedal a little yeah so
2: (laughs) sorry (laughs) we started
0: off we started off with your family right so yes What kind of music was was kind of around when you were growing up?
2: That is such a good question. I'm glad you asked. So growing up, like my family is Middle Eastern. We're from Syria. So my dad uh, would have this family tradition that we would do. Every Sunday morning, we would have breakfast together because Sunday was the only day that my dad didn't work. So we would all get together and make this huge spread of all these like Middle Eastern foods. It was so delicious. And the whole time, there was a rule. You are not allowed to play any music except for music <laughs> by this one artist. Her name is Feduz. And anyone who is Middle Eastern knows exactly who that is. She is well known to be it's very strange also i've never seen this in in canada mm-hmm. but it's well known in all the middle eastern countries that if it's morning time you play ferus like <laughs> ferus does not play in the evening she's not playing the afternoon she plays in the morning and Um Kathum, who is another very influential artist is only played in the evenings so she's really? not played in the morning oh wow it's very strange <laughs> to be so honest with you but ferus is the really big one so yeah we would not a week would go by where i didn't listen to ferus for at least three hours in the mm-hmm. morning and because of that and because of my dad's influence, obviously, I developed a very strong affinity for her specifically. Um, and she is, she is um, very, like, not to be rude, but she's very old now. She's, mm. like, almost ancient. And yep. she has <laughs> such a legacy behind her. So when I say she's an inspiration, it's like, yeah, me and the other billion people who listen to her. But still. For sure. Um, so growing up, she was huge influence. Um, Also, in my family, a lot of Arabic music was just playing in general. So, Nancy Hajim was another really big Arabic pop star who I loved, still Mm -hmm. love to this day. Abdul Halim Hafiz, who was really great. Um, And then... In English, my sisters and I would watch a lot of Disney Channel. So for us, it was like <laughs> huge 180 by the way, but for us, it was like we loved Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato. Mm-hmm. And the side story, there was a movie called Princess Protection Program. Okay. And I love Demi Lovato and my sister Summer loved Selena Gomez. Yeah. And in the movie, Demi Lovato's name was Princess Rosie. And my <laughs> name is Princess Rosie. So that was crazy. It was like the best feeling ever. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is messy.
0: It's giving you a sign. I meant to be
2: a a singing (laughs) princess on the Disney Channel. So yeah, um, a lot of like teen pop music as well as weirdly like Arabic music from the 1950s. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was a great combination of influences. That's so fascinating
0: because I don't think I can think (laughs) of any other artists, you know, in in the kind of more English realm where... (laughs) where they're so universal like in terms of uh, everyone knowing yeah. them and they're specified to a certain time of day. I've never heard yeah, of that. Yeah, and
2: Feirouz specifically, they they play her music when they're selling gasoline in the morning. <laughs> it is so strange. And I didn't learn that until I went back to Syria in 2018. That's
0: such a, a was, strange like...
2: I was like, what is this? And they were like, well, you're not allowed to play. Like it's almost like it's not legal, but it's almost legal. Like if you play it in the evening, people are like, what's wrong with you, man? Like that's really weird. Oh it was gosh. so strange. <laughs> wow. I know. It was really weird. Different cultures, different... <laughs> different practices.
0: Okay, so then um so after that I guess kind of when you went into high school you said you mentioned jazz, right? Yeah. So then I would imagine you got probably expanded your friend group when you got I into did. high school and you started meeting more people with more influences. Yeah. So, so how did that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. cater and change your music taste there?
2: I So in high school, I had one other friend who was really into music as well, Hiba, who mm-hmm. does a lot of my accompaniment to this day. Um, and I did not meet her through the jazz, but I did meet a lot more people through the jazz program who were adults. So like I mentioned, the influences like of the jazz singers that I had met at that gig, there was a really amazing um piano player his name was don he also really influenced mm-hmm. me to a very large extent um when i was younger but in terms of the actual group jazz in the schools um the other students were not in my year so i would talk to them here and there and you know they were cool and whatever but uh for some reason i and i'm not sure why it just influenced me a little bit differently that i influenced them but and they know, were generally
0: older right
2: they were generally older mm-hmm. um but yeah, there were also other music groups where I met other people. So like under Miss Brenneman, Miss Connolly, Josh Hill. So he's he's pretty big in the community still, Mr. Hill. Um, under them, I kind of met some more people. But mostly jazz in the schools was the main musical program that I was a part of.
0: And what would you say were some kind of big artists that really opened your eyes to jazz in that way?
2: To jazz? Oh, I have to go with like the most basic answer. Probably inter- Ella? I, like you know exactly what I'm gonna say yeah I <laughs> like Frank Sinatra like <laughs> I love them I love Louis Armstrong like it's it, pretty basic stuff but um, it was really really cool when I found out that Broadway was linked to jazz because mm-hmm. I'm such a huge like Broadway fan
3: Yeah.
2: Um, so yeah that, that was really cool too to be able to see like uh, Julie Andrews and all of that and, and be like oh they're jazz too like that was really really cool as a teenager
0: yeah and it's fascinating because a lot of people don't see that connection anymore right yeah, a lot of don't. people don't really understand that all these old show tunes were what became the language of jazz, all these yeah. jazz standards, right?
2: Yeah, people don't realize the influence like how blues and R&B turn into hip hop and rap now. Absolutely. Like no. they wouldn't if you ask somebody who listens to rap, they probably wouldn't understand that that stems from the from like this huge Mother music thing that is jazz.
0: hmm It's pretty crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah,
2: it is. It's crazy.
0: Well, that's fantastic We we learned a lot about kind of your origins and, city <laughs> and some of your backgrounds and you yeah. know what your music is <laughs> Um, why don't we hear some of your music? What would sure. you like to play for us?
2: Okay So the first song I want to play for you is it's called crazy. I wrote it when I was 18 um, I released it when I was 19 and it's one of my no I released it when I was 18. It's one of my favorite songs I've ever mm-hmm. written. It's so like girl kicking her feet like excited about a crush it's really sweet and um yeah i'm really really happy with it (laughs) fantastic
0: here's crazy by rosie samra
3: We could take it down a notch and maybe take it slow Cause I'm not trying to rush you Tell me what it is you want We'll take it personal searching for someone that's worth it I'm crazy, yeah. Boy, I'm crazy over you. There is no question about who I wanna be with. It's true, you know, I'm crazy, yeah. I just keep on hoping that you feel the same. I'm not just going psycho, totally insane. You should know I'm tired playing all these games. Can we just call it a day, man? What do you say? i been too forward. Is it obvious? Are you into me too? Are you feeling us? Got so many questions. I'm just curious. Boy, I'm crazy.
0: we're back with rosie samra you're listening to inside the musical mind with caleb q on midtown radio now rosie yes as an artist what would be some lifetime goals for you
2: well i want to start off by saying i don't understand why when you ask an artist this or a local artist this they feel the need to cap themselves off like they kind of go oh well you know right here is fine or like i'll you know maybe in a year i'll do this i'm gonna go ahead and say i would like to achieve the impossible like i'm just gonna aim for the stars and land on the moon hopefully honestly as big as humanly possible as my career could go that's Mm -hmm. my ultimate goal i think honestly if i just keep shooting higher and higher and higher i'll end up somewhere i'm really happy with so i can't say i have like a solid definitive goal but honestly something that seems unrealistic and ridiculous I would say is probably where I would like to, where I would like to take <laughs> my next steps to be honest well I
0: mean if you don't believe in yourself whoever will right
2: exactly well my mom but exactly <laughs> <laughs> my mom is such a big fan of that and she also um she's told me and another friend my friend Mina has told me this really good advice which is that if you tell people your goals and they're not laughing mm-hmm. your your goals are not big enough yeah which is a really great you know piece of insight. So. Definitely, I think my goal is, like, my next, hopefully next week, I'll get invited to, like, the Grammys or something. Like that's how big I'm dreaming. I'm definitely dreaming really, really big, and that's what I'm expecting to get to.
0: Oh, well, we all heard the song. It's possible.
3: I? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, I guess, mm-hmm. specifically, would there be any, uh, maybe, like, collaborations or maybe, like, any, like, historic venues or anything that you'd like to do?
2: oh. Yeah, if we're going big, ba- if we're just dreaming huge, <laughs> definitely Madison square garden. Nice, square garden. Um, I've been to the Rogers Center in Toronto. Yeah. Like I've seen, I saw One Direction there. Actually, oh, wow. Let me not date myself, but I saw that? One Direction when they were still together. <laughs> <laughs> I saw oh, them boy. in their last tour when Zayn had left. It was so awkward. <laughs> it was fine. I went with my sister. That would be a cool spot to yeah. <laughs> perform in. Yeah, Roger Center. Um, Roger Center. I have honestly, I have already done quite a few venues in KW. Like I did the KW Registry Theater. I did mm-hmm. the museum, or sorry, not the museum, the Center for Performing Arts, like in downtown Kitchener. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Uh, Conrad, do. right? Yeah. Yep. Done that. Um, been there, done that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would love to perform at those big venues. I would love to go to those big, um, big award shows. But ultimately, like. This going to sound so corny, but ultimately i do it for the music. So like whatever it takes me to, like I'm, I'm just really enjoying the songwriting and performing process so far.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then would there be any artists that you really want to oh, collaborate yeah,
2: with? Oh yeah, I forgot. Okay, so my favorite producer of all time, c- do you want to try to guess it? <sighs> right, I don't even know if you know any producers off I, the top of your head.
0: <laughs> I'm not a pop producer guy. No. I'm not a pop guy. Okay. <laughs> I probably wouldn't know.
2: I'll give you a hint. He worked a lot with Nelly Furtado, Justin Timberlake in the early years. It's Timberland.
0: Timberland. I love (laughs) Timberland. I
2: would literally lay my life down for that man. (laughs) Mirrors by Justin Timberlake is the greatest song ever, ever created. Um, So to work with him and then to do a complete 180, my favorite songwriter of all time is Hosier. Okay. So what do you think about a Hosier-Timberland collab? I think that would be insane. That would be crazy. That, it would be like <laughs> <laughs> the most devastating R&B inspired like folklore tale.
0: I'm trying to imagine it and it would no, just be it, like, they just work. madness. Well, of
2: <laughs> but like those are people I definitely draw inspiration from even though, I, you know, I haven't worked with them obviously, but like, mm-hmm to draw inspiration from them is really
0: cool too for sure yeah Yeah.
2: i wish i could play guitar i would be i would do those finger picking things you've told me about how it feels to play hosier yeah he's a challenge for sure yeah
0: because you know it's there's so many artists like that where they make this beautiful music that sounds like you know very nice and flowing and harmonic Mm -hmm. and you know it sounds like it would be easy to play because it sounds so nice and smooth right but then you actually start playing and he's got all these time signatures and he's got these all these weird voices and everything you're like damn and then it makes
2: you feel about like how talented are they that they made it seem so easy that they made it seem so
0: easy the fact that they made it a hit song yeah. that people sing along to and it's in like a five four or something. Right. Yeah. Like,
2: what the heck? How did you pull this This is crazy. I don't know. I and honestly the the joke is that I don't even understand half the words you're talking about when you talk about guitar stuff. <laughs> and I really wish I could play, like you're kind of making me want to play even more now. But yeah, those people would be crazy to collab with, which I would love. Mm-hmm. Um I can't imagine anyone that I wouldn't want to. Like, yeah. I, I'm thinking about artists that I'm like, oh, I would never do anything with that person. Oh, I will say one that I think okay. is kind of controversial. Right. I love her to death, but I would never collab with Ariana Grande really? because I get compared to her a lot vocally. that is true i can
0: see that yeah and
2: i feel like because here's the here's the joke of it all it's like her range is way bigger than mine so if we get on a track together it's just gonna be ariana grande and dollar store ariana grande like i can't do that do you know what i mean it would
0: end up being like a, a vocal duel off, and then you'd go higher duel. and then she'd keep going uh, higher yeah. than- <laughs> a
2: vocal duel where i lose i yeah. would never sign up for that hell no
0: that's <laughs> yeah, a fight you yeah. don't want to pick
2: <laughs> <laughs> and i don't think i don't think taylor swift would ever want to collab with me because i don't think she's a big fan of uh working with artists who kind of sound like me if that makes sense ah. like yeah she usually goes for like like phoebe bridgers i sound nothing like phoebe yep. bridgers like um heim and mm-hmm. that like she goes for a very different sound um which is great so that's I don't, true i, don't I guess
0: think, i've never thought about that
2: i think about it constantly <laughs> so thank you for asking are uh, you Taylor swifty <laughs> <laughs> i love taylor swift i love folklore and evermore mm-hmm. those ones uh, kind of remind me of hosier a little bit so a- adjacent um Yeah, I love Taylor Swift. Don't think she would ever work with me. Mm -hmm. But um, anyone else, basically. Anyone else, I'd be like, yeah. I also think it would be really cool to work with a rapper.
0: Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? I could see you singing, like, the chorus on something, right?
2: Exactly. And I feel like I have a good, like, range in genres. Like, I could do pop or I could do R&B, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Or kind of like a whatever Rihanna and Eminem have going on. (laughs) Like, something like that. (laughs) Yeah, that would be really fun. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely. Okay, so... That's kind of covering, like, your your ultimate career goal, right? Like, your your dream, you know, (laughs) what's happening. But what if you had to live a life without music? You had no music at all. You couldn't do music. What Uh, do you think your other artistic outlet would be? Or just general outlet in life?
3: Well, this is
2: assuming that I never started in music to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I think, like, right now, God forbid, if I just, like, lost my voice Mm -hmm. forever... I still don't think I'd be able to give it up. Like, I think I would, I Figure think I would honestly, right? yeah, I would yeah. go into like lighting or stage production <laughs> or something. Like, I just love being there so much. Mm-hmm. I would, I would literally be the person who pulls the curtains. Mm-hmm. Like, I've fallen in love so much with the industry, which is such a cliche thing to say, but I don't care. But if I had been born without the ability to sing or mm-hmm. to the ability to sing the, the way that I do, and, you know, maybe I had just learned violin for a year or two or something, and I just never went into music long term, I think I would probably lean towards being in academia long term. Mm -hmm. I, for context, as you know, I do, um, I did just graduate from the University of Waterloo. I had a degree, or I got a degree in, um, honor science with a specialty in medical physiology Mm -hmm. and another minor in Islamic studies. So I really love being a student. Like, I love studying. I love talking with professors and doing research. I think it's amazing.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, and I think if I hadn't had music in general, I would either go into medicine Or maybe I would do like a PhD, maybe a professor type thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I've never been a great teacher, to be completely (laughs) honest with you. But something that requires many, many years of school, I would love to be able to do. Mm -hmm. I also think it would be just so funny if I did like a complete 180 and became like a professional, like Juilliard trained ballet dancer that, that would, would be, be that would be so fun <laughs> but I don't think I would ever have the discipline or dietary restriction for that like I just eat way too much I could never fit into a ballerina skirt <laughs> but, but um I think something something that would require like over 10 years of school I would mm-hmm. I would be so down for it because I also love being a student so, that yeah. is
0: funny because you know you do meet a lot of artists who, who do like learning but that is uh, a yeah. being I don't meet many artists who are very into the strict academia. Yeah.
2: And I do blame my parents for that. (laughs) They (laughs) definitely raised me in such a way that it was like, you know, you have to be like, I genuinely, okay, this is going to sound so messed up, but I genuinely until I was in high school, I thought it was a requirement that everyone gets a college or university degree. (laughs) Like I thought it was like, okay, the government of Ontario requires you to get a high school degree, right? Yeah. And then they also require you, you to, get a post-secondary. to get a poster. And I was like, I just, I just thought, every, so when I heard, I there was like this boy at a different university that, uh, or sorry, at a different high school that I knew of through a friend. Mm-hmm. And he told me, no, I'm not going to university. And I said, oh, you're taking gap year and then you're doing yeah. university. He said, no, I'm never going to do university. I was like, but how will you live? Like, how will you be alive? Will they let you do that? And so, yeah, just just to put into perspective a little bit sheltered growing up definitely very uh spoiled and advantaged in that (laughs) regard like i just thought everybody's parents paid for their university which is a ridiculous thing to say obviously Mm -hmm. but yeah i just i that was always the case for me like i have never imagined a life where i don't go back to school even now as a recent grad like Mm -hmm. i know i'm gonna go back to school i just don't know for what yeah (laughs) Yeah. and that's
0: it's fascinating because it kind of goes back to what we were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier in terms of you know how everyone lives in their own little bubbles right and so how there's some things which are completely unfathomable unfathomable to us yeah. but are completely normal and accepted in other things right just like mm-hmm. a career as a musician is totally. completely unfathomable it's the same yeah. thing in that moment for you yeah right it was completely unfathomable life without academia right yeah
2: oh totally and it was unfathomable to like my family too mm-hmm. who are who are again very supportive of my music career yeah but they just had never considered it as like a when they heard I was getting paid for my first show, they were like, "What are you t- like five dollars? Like, what are you talking about?" And I was like, "No, they paid me two hundred dollars." They were like, "What?" Like, they were just as shocked as I was.
0: Oh man, yeah, yeah. I've gotten some. I've gotten some checks that'll make people like, "Oh my god, They're it's like, crazy." Oh, you can
2: t- maybe I should pick up guitar. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very inspirational stuff. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, that's really interesting. Then. Thank you. Okay, so how do you find the balance was between music because you said you started recording when you were 18 so yeah. I suppose that's you were taking it seriously during high school yeah but then that's probably when you kind of ramped it up a little bit more right
2: yeah so in high school I I genuinely think I got a taste of that first gig and I was like mm-hmm. oh my god I'm never gonna so that was the moment this. that was that like was, the, it was like Oh, I don't want to compare it to drugs, but it was like doing drugs <laughs> for the first time. I was like, oh, I, I have to do that you again. You felt like, the high, man. You got stuck on it. I was like, I'm it. never going to not do that. Like, yeah. there has to be a case where I can do that still. So I got a little bit more into it um, in university or the summer before university started. So between grade 12 and university, mm-hmm. I had been writing music since I was like a teenager, which was, by the way, very bad. Like, oh, yeah. The music I wrote. You can never let anyone see. <laughs> oh, you, never. You, can't, you can't burn them.
0: You got to keep them, but you no, can't No, I can ever. burn them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think honestly, like. They deserve to be, like, the music was so bad when I was, like, I was, like, 15, 16 writing songs, like, crying in my room. We all have journals
0: of bad early teenager
2: songs. (laughs) So, which I like to think i have gotten better since then. Yeah. But I had been writing, and um, there was one song, like, I found this beat online Mm -hmm. that I really liked. So, I reached out to the producer of the beat, who was a KW local. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, hey, I really like this song. Like, I know you're a local to KW. A couple of my friends actually know you personally. Mm -hmm. Um, How much would it be to buy to buy this beat. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't know anything about music or royalties or yep. how much it would cost. Like and neither did he to be honest. <laughs> he was just like a high schooler who liked to make beats but I was like I really want to sing over this. And I did and I wrote Sunday Afternoon, which was my first ever song that I released. Um and definitely I had to learn some things the hard ways like which recording studios are not worth your time. Yep. That sometimes home recording studios are actually way better quality than.
0: um, Especially if you're tracking vocals. Yeah.
2: Especially, which I was very shocked by because I, you know, you always see on TV like those people in those little recording booths. And I've been to so many studios now where you go in those little booths. And I genuinely believe that the home studios that I've been to, which honestly I've only been to two, Mm -hmm. but the home studios that I've been to are significantly higher quality. Oh yeah. Because people put their heart and soul into that. Like that's in their home and that's their work. They Mm -hmm. are already trained professionals. Yep. Um, but you know, I had to learn that the hard way, uh, wrote my song over that and I recorded it, released it. I was really proud of myself and I'm, I still work with some of the people that I worked with at the beginning. So my friend Angad, Mm -hmm. um, very dear friend of mine, still does the photography. He's done the photography since the first day. Um, and he's really influential in my cover art and how I visualize like the promo for the songs and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, sorry, I forgot what the question was. No, no, <laughs> I I, got I, so off track.
0: Absolutely, no. I was, I was yeah. going to think about, so the beginning of your professional career, yeah. how did that kind of balance with your, your life and your yeah. school? Right? Okay. Because that's always a, a big thing I find, right? What's that work-life balance kind of for an artist?
2: To be so honest with you, it like wasn't really a balance for a while. <laughs> for a while, it was just like, it was hot and cold. Like I would go stretches of weeks where I would just be studying. And like, I I don't think I've ever studied alongside you specifically, but you can ask anyone who does choose to do that, which Mm -hmm. is definitely a choice. If you've ever chosen to study next to me, like I will be ripping out my hair, like (laughs) clawing at my nails. Like I can, if Caleb can confirm in the studio that my nails are horrendous and it's because I bite them when I'm studying, like, like a madman. Like Mm -hmm. I literally like tear off my skin. It's terrible. It's disgusting. I'm sorry. But like I get really into it Mm -hmm. and I can do that for weeks on end. Like (laughs) surviving off of water and sunlight, (laughs) like (laughs) just studying nonstop. And then at the end of these stretches of weeks, I would be like, oh, I really miss doing music. So Mm -hmm. I would do it for like a day or two. And to be honest with you, if I could go back, maybe I would increase that number a little bit because Mm -hmm. I did miss out on some great opportunities. Like I I wish I had been able to do more gigs or I wish I had been able to go to more um, more music themes or sorry. Uh events in general because Mm -hmm. I just I really love them, but I didn't give myself the opportunity for that So i'm still working on the balance. I I used to think that it was a good balance But looking back, I think I could have made more time for music and the things that I love so I'm still working on that balance. Mm -hmm. But um, let's just say I never let my grades falter because of it I would never ever put music before academia when I was in university or high school.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, and it's funny I I see that a lot at least for me personally, I always found that I did regret I regretted studying too much and not playing yeah. more guitar. <laughs> and it's you kinda, feel
2: that way? I felt that way. You have like the most insane musical schedule I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like your well, are is every single day. I
0: suppose, but I could have been like that back a couple years ago, right? I could have jump-started my career a little bit. So I do always have those moments where it's like, well, you know, the extra, you know, couple percentage going from like a, an 89 to a 93 yeah. that didn't do anything. <laughs> right yeah. it, it was my entrance yeah. was the same into university all that stuff ended up being the oh, same
2: totally fair. and yeah. if I
0: spent that time that I spent you know grinding in calculus in pre-calc to try and get yeah. those marks yeah. if I spent that practicing bebop skills yeah, no, <laughs> maybe totally. I would have been farther along right
2: I mean honestly I feel like you're already pretty far in your career but <laughs> I totally see where you're coming from and I will also say that a big thing that held me back was like the social aspect of it mm-hmm. I was I had really bad stage fright for okay. a really long time so um, because of that, sometimes I was okay with avoiding gigs, or mm-hmm. I was okay with not taking them. Because even though I really wanted the opportunity, once I would get there, I would get so nervous. And thank God that has changed a lot over the years. But that was also a thing that was holding me back from having a healthier balance with music.
1: And oh, music.
0: absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's always a big thing, which is because uh, a lot of the times your your formative years as an artist are in those kind of late teenage years. Yeah. Right. When you're transitioning to being a young adult. And in addition to just music and artistry, there's also so much life things that are happening. Right. So there's a a massive intersection, you know, confidence and, you know, self identity in in between being an artist and all these different life things that are happening during you during that Figuring life, out right? like
2: what you want to do with your life, absolutely. And the people around you. I don't know if you've run into this yet, but the people around me are getting married. Like, <laughs> yeah, I are have dropping that too, like, and it's, it's a little.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: really weird. Oh, well, that's because you have a very uh, an older friend group. That's true. Yeah, I will say, as a twenty-one-year-old, I'm going to turn twenty-two in a couple of days, by the way. But <laughs> as a twenty-one-year-old. Um, female watching all your friends getting married is absolutely jarring yeah because you're like what are you doing you're a little girl like you're a child bride get out of this (laughs) it's a very strange time
0: yeah i have that most of my friends are a little bit older so it's kind of it's kind of it makes me go into crisis because i forget that i'm younger so i'm like oh
2: no I'm. my
0: life's going oh wait no okay (laughs) i'm fine
2: yeah you're so good you're like you just turned 21
0: i just turned 20 you just turned 20 (laughs) you're so fine yeah
2: (laughs) you're fine yeah okay
0: Mm-hmm. Another song, yes. What please. are we hearing this time?
2: Actually, in in terms of the theme of being all alone or kind of like feeling like you're figuring out your life. What a segue! Sounds like we segway. planned it. <laughs> it's called "On My Own." I wrote it um, a little while back, and it's one of those songs that I feel like, even if no one ever listens to it again, I'm so so proud of it. It's one of the songs that I genuinely think cemented my own abilities as as a songwriter.
0: Oh, that's fantastic! Let's give it a listen.
3: So heavy in my ribcage, is this really my time? Can't seem to control what I say. I can't believe I used to breathe the air that you would breathe. To follow along, forget how to speak, to look at you, to lead. Are these really my legs? i decide where I want to go. I know just what I did your car and walked home. I can't believe I couldn't see who you really were. I should have lived. The sight expected to see, what I wanna see, but much to my surprise, you showed me the worst possible love, wrapped up in a disguise, why did I
0: back you were listening to on my own by rosie samra so rosie i understand you have a new song coming out
2: i do have a new song coming out so it's called hurting um it's a bit of a bait and switch because the song is more of like a it's a little bit more upbeat than it sounds like it's not a piano ballad or anything like that um but it is still pop, so like my other songs, it's still pop, but this one's a lot more contemporary R&B. So think Positions by Ariana Grande inspired, where mm-hmm. there's quite a bit of trap influence, but it's not overwhelming. And <laughs> a voice that definitely does not fit trap music, but mm-hmm. I really love the song. I'm so proud of it. I'm so excited for it to come well, that's out. fantastic. Thank you.
0: So I guess kind of jumping off, like your description of your own music was kind of like poppy, bubblegum, you know, yeah. like R&B influenced. Yeah. H- how do you feel pop music has kind of changed and evolved?
3: Well, I
2: think that R and B specifically has changed the most mm-hmm. in what people consider R and B. So, like I said earlier, one of or a few of my biggest influences, like ever in music, are Janae Aiko, Daniel Caesar, Summer Walker, and SZA as well. Mm-hmm. So, all of those artists are considered R and B artists to an extent. And if you dig around in their discographies, you could definitely find a couple songs that would be classified as r&b back in the 90s -hmm. but for the most part if you were to go back to the 90s specifically and put all those songs there those would not count as r&b at all Mm -hmm. like the influence is just so so distant now compared to how it was back in the 90s like i was saying or even the early 2000s where all of it has become kind of muddied but I will say, as someone who pulls from several genres for inspiration, I like that it's become muddied. Like I like that we have so many more intersections between pop and R and B and hip hop and even jazz mm-hmm. and even some Broadway genres. Like uh, Ariana Grande did a track in 2016 called "Greedy,"
0: mm-hmm. where every
2: everybody was listening to it, and I was like, "This is literally This could literally be in a Broadway musical. Like it's so Broadway." Um, and I love that. I love that we're kind of crossing those lines and blurring the lines a little bit because. I think the more that we meld some of these genres together, the more really incredible Frankenstein songs we can come up with, which uh, that's where I like to live. That's where I like my music to live.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think it's really fascinating, even just, the, you know, R&B itself, because mm-hmm. if you think what, you know, R&B is, it's rhythm and blues. Yeah. And you think of the original, what they called R&B was the Rolling Stones, right? That's what was okay. originally described as, as R&B back okay. in you know the, the 50s, the 60s, and, and then in the 70s, that. In the 80s, that's when it kind of morphed into the more, mm-hmm. you know, like, I guess, kind of like smooth soul. Almost, there it is. Yeah. Right? Like kind of like Sade vibes. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's that's kind of when that, that change happened. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's really fascinating because you think of the original origins of what R&B means.
3: It's
2: it's changed so much. Yeah. And I'm very biased in this, but I like what it is right now more than I've ever liked it in the past. Like mm-hmm. I've... I've dug back in, in the records to listen to some older r&b and i have to say i like modern r&b more which is i think blasphemous to say but i don't care <laughs> I, I really like contemporary r&b i really like those artists and i really like how much they're changing um the music industry as a whole like how how we look at different genres and how we listen to different genres mm-hmm.
0: and i think that's kind of the biggest overarching question is like th- there's very few artists who stay within the domain of one genre anymore yeah. Right. Like back, you know, even in the 90s, you had artists who were very clearly defined as, you know, specific genres. Yeah. Right. But now I, I find everyone has so many different influences and so many different, you know, totally. things that have come into their music that it, it's very hard to define something as just one genre.
2: Totally. And I'm sure some some people who are, you know, classical enthusiasts or people who are very big on drawing those lines. I like to call them music snobs are very upset about that. Mm-hmm. But I. I really like it. Like I said earlier, like I really like that we're melding the genres. I really like that we're blurring the lines. I don't think that anyone should have precedence over another person just because they like more of this genre than other. A lot of people, a lot of people turn their noses up at pop, pop Mm -hmm. music in general. Oh, you listen to pop. Oh, you listen to Taylor Swift. First of all, Taylor Swift's amazing, so shut (laughs) up. Second of all, (laughs) second of all, Like, I just don't understand why you would take something as incredible as music and turn it into something that you could be so snobby about. Mm -hmm. I don't, I will never understand the pop shaming. Pop music is incredible. It's literally popular music. Like, it's popular for a reason. Most people really like it. And... It's fine if you don't, but it's not fine to shame other people for their taste in music.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think the fascinating thing, too, is how pop music has changed even just in our lifetimes. Even yeah. from, like, the 2010s till now. Because you think how much radio play has has significantly decreased oh, totally, uh, compared to yeah. what it used to be. And I find, personally, when I'm talking to people, that mm-hmm. songs from maybe, like, uh, the, the mid to late 2000s up to, like, 2015, 2016, everybody knows right yeah. all that, that the Katy Perry the oh the, right? totally
2: you the know, universal the Swift. exactly
0: there's yeah. that universal pop music from that era but then past that I find things because I guess that's when streaming kind of took off a little bit more yep. you find that there's less of that unified everybody knows those same songs
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. right
0: and it's really fascinating because it shows just how important radio was in creating what the traditional definition of popular music was right and a
2: pop star was what uh, a exactly pop star was. yes yeah. what a pop
0: star was yeah. and it's it's fascinating now because everything is so niche Every yeah. genre is niche. You can find whatever music you'd like to. You don't have to listen to whatever DJ chooses to play on the radio. Right?
2: Absolutely. Which is uh, definitely a double-edged sword. It has simultaneously – like streaming itself has simultaneously made it infinitely easier and more difficult to be a successful musician. And mm-hmm. that if you're whoop, <laughs> if you're <laughs> considering success somewhat monetarily, uh, you will not make any money from streaming. Like mm-hmm. the, the numbers are ridiculously low. Oh, absolutely. Um but if you're considering success as outreach, you know, a streaming artist, someone who doesn't have access to advertising or promotion outside of their own social media, has a bigger chance of hitting it off on like becoming TikTok famous or whatever, mm-hmm. um, than they would have had if you had to be signed to a big record label back in in 2015. Yep. So it's changing so rapidly, and also what you were talking about was kind of like the the changing of pop music itself. I feel like there's phenomenon like tiktok tiktokification Mm -hmm. if you will where artists will create music that are almost like a conglomeration of snippets Mm -hmm. that would sound good in a tiktok video or an instagram reel because that's what you know what media has become Mm -hmm. these short little people have very short attention spans now so people make these songs where they have really great one-liners but just back to back to back to back in hopes that someone will pick it up and make a viral sound because that viral sound will ensure like a prosperous career because it's ridiculous it gets ridiculously popular obviously yeah
0: and that's the fascinating intersection of music and life and life and music right how how all these trends in culture and social media and stuff can really affect the music that we make and the music we make affects that
2: yeah, totally. Right. They kind of mirror back. This on each other.
0: symbiotic relationship.
2: Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. biology <laughs> Trim. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. No, completely. They definitely reflect on one another. Mm-hmm. I can't say I'm a big fan of TikTokification. I don't. I don't like it. I think it takes away from the artistic integrity <laughs> of artists. Like, I also just think, in general, because we live in a society where people have to make money to make a living, mm-hmm. musical artistry is always going to be limited and defined by that. Like, For- people are always going to go for things that make them successful um, if they're not already. Mm -hmm. And so people who are able to have artistic integrity and creativity, the only people who are permitted to do that are people who are already successful. Mm -hmm. So the people who are already at the top are able to break these boundaries and, and try new things because they can always fall back on the discography that's had their back their whole careers. But people who are new artists, when they go to kind of cross those boundaries, when they go to try new things, it's a lot riskier with less chance of successful outcome Mm -hmm. because they don't have anything to fall back on yep and so if that doesn't work out what do they have do you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and that's something that i think has always really bugged me especially about the modern way that we stream and listen to music
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's the fact that yeah if you don't have a footing already it's hard to. yeah
2: it's very difficult
0: it takes a lot of confidence to try and do something unique Exactly.
2: Um, and if you do it and it's great, you know, it takes off. Like Lana Del Rey, for example, back mm-hmm. in the day, like who was doing it like her? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so she kind of took off. But um, that's like a one in a million story. Like how many other people have tried something strange or niche and it hasn't worked out for them?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the names you don't know of. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So knowing all this and having all this wisdom <laughs> now about music and, and the, you know, the kind of industry and how things go. If you could go back in time to when you first started pursuing this professionally, right, Mm -hmm. would you choose to tell yourself everything you know now or would you choose to let yourself go through all these, you know, the trials and tribulations, the mistakes that kind of brought you to where you are today?
2: Well, if I could go back in time and tell my younger self anything, I would tell her to invest in Bitcoin. Like, I want to be a billionaire right now.
0: You know, that would be ma- that would make it easier to be an artist. It would, would make say. it easier to do
2: anything. It would make me easier to like sit on my couch like just yep. to have like a couple extra million in the bank. But um realistically, I don't I don't think I would. I have a very strong principle about this actually. So I am a bit religious, so mm-hmm. I obviously believe in destiny and fate and what's written and all of that. But I will also say that Unless I believed that things right now in my life were so horrendously bad, like ca- like catastrophic, yep. apocalypse level bad, <laughs> I would not say a word to my past self. Just I think let it be. I would let it be because yeah. I think the mistakes that have happened have led me to the place that I am mm-hmm. um, and the person that I am, I meant to say. But I will say like a lot of those mistakes, as cheesy as it sounds, have fundamentally made me the artist that I am mm-hmm. I remember I was 16 and I went to this audition and you had like a minute to sing acoustic or sorry acapella excuse me yep so I got up there and I had been practicing this Whitney Houston song yeah. and I was like oh I know I sound fire on this Whitney Houston song I, <laughs> I went up I, I started at the wrong key there was no backing track yep. and, you know and I couldn't make eye contact with these people and it was so nerve-wracking because I was so nervous and I didn't know what I was doing and so afterwards, I had to kind of listen to this panel of judges go one by one and tell me, like, those shoes were too big to fill. You don't have the capabilities of singing Whitney Houston, which now as someone who has gigged with you, you <laughs> know damn well that I can sing Whitney Houston <laughs> any day of the week. <laughs> but uh, at the time, I it filled me with this kind of bitterness and anger Yeah. that surprisingly for the next year and a half-ish... I used for every single audition. So anytime I'd feel myself getting nervous, I would just get pissed off about that audition. And then it would (laughs) give me the confidence that I needed for that, for that upcoming gig. And some like that kind of whittled its way into reducing a lot of my stage fright, thankfully, because I wouldn't be able to be an artist now if if I still had that. Mm -hmm. So that mistake that really, really devastated me at the time and like had me sobbing for three hours. Yeah. That mistake genuinely positively impacted, um, my, me as an artist years and years later mm-hmm. and i could come up with a million examples of that and i could come up with a million examples of mistakes that didn't benefit me whatsoever and oh yeah <laughs> have only like you know had a negative impact on me but looking back i wouldn't have changed anything
0: but the main takeaway is to beat stage fright you just be angry
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> you just can't stop i do this thing where i plant my feet i don't even focus on the breathing because everyone's like oh focus on the b- no that's bs okay everybody everybody <laughs> lies about that you plant your feet And you think about somebody that you hate. Okay. And you think about somebody that you hate and they're listening to you sing and they want you to flop so bad. (laughs) They want you to mess up so bad. And you just think, oh, you know what? I'm going to do amazing just so this person can have a bad day because I hate them so much. Oh, man. I think about this guy that I used to know. Oh, he's a terrible guy. I think about him and and I'm just like, if he was in the crowd right now, he would (laughs) have to admit that I sound fire. Like, he would have to admit it. So, yeah, I would say... Anger and resentment are really good for stage fright. Genuinely, like I'm not even kidding. Yeah, life hack for sure.
0: And it's funny because I've I've heard that perspective from so many different. I've I've heard (laughs) so many different perspectives on how to beat stage fright. Because some people take it like that, and some people take it in the complete opposite direction.
2: No, (laughs) I don't like that. Because if I'm trying to be peaceful and meditate, uh, I like no, that's not the energy you need for like a live gig. You need to have energy that's like. It's coming out of you. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. No one's hiring me to sing Adele's ballads. People are hiring me to sing I Want to Dance with Somebody. Yeah. So I got to bring that kind of upbeat level of energy and those those good vibes. And even if that starts off in the form of a passion for hatred, <laughs> you know, it can bloom into a great Energy is energy.
0: Motivation is motivation. Totally. Right?
2: And you know that as a psychology student, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I would say um I wouldn't change anything, really. Yeah, I wouldn't change anything.
0: So if you were to give anyone any advice, mm. what would you give them? Just vocally, you know, music wise, life advice.
3: Ooh, that's a good question. Wide
0: net.
2: <sighs> okay. Uh, I would say don't do what I did and box yourself in. Like I wanted to go into medicine for mm-hmm. most of my life. And then this year, all of a sudden I just, I just snapped and I just changed my mind. I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I don't think that this is what's meant for me. And I was really stubborn, and I kind of. But prior to that, I was really stubborn, and I was like, "No, I'm not hearing anybody else out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to medical school. That's final. I don't care what anyone else says." Yep. And I think looking back, if I had just been a little bit less committed to something that I felt like I was forcing myself into, I would have had a more enjoyable time. Like I should have just tried to live in the moment and figured out what i actually liked just because you like a lot of aspects of something doesn't mean that it's what you're meant to do Mm -hmm. and i really also believe in this kind of letting things happen uh mentality like i did so many things in my life for so long that felt like i was swimming against an like a down what is it swimming upstream swimming upstream yeah exactly swimming upstream and it was so exhausting like everything i did every every effort that i had just you know, was not working out for me. And it was so frustrating. And then at one point this year, I just hit a critical level of like burnout. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever is destined for me. So I just kind of started relaxing and, you know, doing my own thing and kind of just, you know, trying to follow the current, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And things just started, doors just started opening for me. Things just started happening for me. Um, I just became a lot happier and more satisfied because I wasn't just constantly fighting what so obviously wasn't meant for me in the future. Yeah. So, yeah, just go with the flow. That's really, really cliche advice, but just go with the flow. No,
0: yeah. Well, it's because you need need goals, right? Yeah. You need goals to achieve, but you got to take the blinders off sometimes.
2: Totally. And also, when you achieve those goals, don't forget to celebrate them. That's another thing. I know way too many people who don't celebrate their birthdays. (laughs) Oh, my God. You only have like one or or like six chances in a year where you can do like something really fun. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like there's people do Christmas. People do whatever religious holiday they have. And then they do their birthdays, yep. maybe. And mm-hmm. then like maybe they'll do Valentine's Day. Yeah. Like, no, I'm calling you on family day <laughs> and <laughs> we're going out and like partying. Like I, yep. I have to go out and celebrate something. You know what I mean? It's such a good feeling to celebrate things. So that's another piece of advice. Do not skip on your birthday. I skipped two years of my birthday because I was studying for the MCAT. Yeah. Miserable. I was so miserable <laughs> about it. No, go out and party and get balloons and cake
0: you got to live your life. Yeah. Well, Rosie, thank you so much for being here. Thank, thank you for you sharing for your wisdom, <laughs> your life, your experiences, you know, everything. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rosie about her paths and perspectives regarding music. Once again, my name is Caleb Q, and that was A Journey Inside the Musical Mind. See you next time.